Premier Podcast with your hosts, Dennis and Michelle. Welcome to the Bear Cave, everyone. Dennis Zarrell here along with my co-host, Michelle Rosell. And as always, we hope you had a great week or are having one so far. This week, we are sponsored by Abode Real Estate, your professional real estate advisors in Colorado Springs and Teller County. And Animus Wellbeing, a holistic approach to helping people achieve a more mindful and healthier way of life. How was your week so far, Michelle? No stress, right? No stress at all. I'm not sleeping. <laughs> it's, it's, it's stressful. But it, it is what it is. You know, you get all freaked out before you go on a vacation anyway. And I think that's kind of playing into it. Oh, yeah. Just a reminder, uh, we're going to be dark next week. And more about that later when we come up to our third segment. But, uh, well, you know, instant cartographer. Hi, Michelle. Right. Make a map. I can do this. I can do this. And that's my problem. I always say I can do this and I really can't. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I know how that goes. But uh, hey, uh, I, I know where we were talking yesterday. Have you been watching any of the um, Chinese Olympics? You know, we really haven't, which is kind of weird because we, we usually like the Winter Olympics. The, you know, the skiing, the skating and stuff. But we have not been watching. However, you told me some stories and... It sounds like it's pretty interesting. This Olympiad has been, um, it's been weird. I read something in a fish wrap somewhere yesterday or or was online. Viewership is down by over 50%. That's huge. Yeah. I think the last Olympics was like, um, I don't know, 25 million average, something like that. Yeah. I don't know the numbers exactly, but now it's like 12 million. Wow. Had no idea it was like that. Yeah, it's bad. It's bad. I mean, it's, uh, I just call it the COVID Olympics. <laughs> and that's, that's very valid because how many are getting tested now? <laughs> a lot, a yeah. lot. We've been kind of tracking some of that and it's just, it's just really weird what's, what's going on. But, uh, you know, be- before the athletes left, you know, you know, politicians always, first of all, we, we kind of blew it off diplomatically, right? We don't, we didn't send any representatives to the right. op- opening ceremonies and there's, you know, there's shots of, you know, Vlad and, and, uh, uh, Xi Jinping, whatever the hell his name is. Yeah. yeah that dude. <laughs> You know, and they're, you know, they're fist bumping and, you know, doing whatever they do. But uh, politicians always want to get involved. They always want to go, oh, you know, our athletes are the most important thing. And you know, they always have to throw their two cents in. Well, Skeletor Nancy Pelosi, you know, the wicked witch of California, she, uh, she had to throw her two cents in. And it was awesome. I mean, get this. This is what she says. She instructed the Olympic athletes not to speak out against communist China's genocide. And she says... I would say to our athletes, you are to compete. Don't risk incurring the anger of the Chinese government because they are ruthless. I know there's temptation on the part of some people to speak out while they're there, and I respect that. But I also worry about the Chinese government and what they might do to their reputations and to their families. (laughs) No threat there. Uh, Okay, so... Athletes, don't insult anybody as I'm insulting China. Right. <laughs> what the hell? Yeah, but she's on she's on US ground. She feels safe. <laughs> yeah, as as she's instructing athletes not to insult people as she's insulting people. Yes. You know she's running again, right? Yeah, I know. She's eighty one years old or eighty, something like that. Why? Exactly. <laughs> Well, I think what's happening is, you know, everybody's freaked out about the mid- midterms. At least if you're a Democrat, you're really scared. True. Because everything you've done so far has been, you know, a disaster from surrendering in Afghanistan to you name it. Yeah, right. I really can't think of anything that's been impacting in my life. No. Other than the price of gas going up and, you know. Yeah. Inflation. Um, yeah. Lockdowns. Um. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but here's the thing is what's so ridiculous is like, hey, jobs are up. People are making more money. Uh, well, so is inflation. So it's really a wash and you're kind of losing money at this moment. I agree with you. And and why do, why people don't see that? So you're going to pay your McDonald's worker $15 an hour. Cool. So guess what the price of a hamburger goes to? You're right. I think we are losing money at this point. Way more than I want to spend for a burger that will look the same 10 years down the road <laughs> as it was the day you bought it. <laughs> what is a degrade meat? <laughs> well, I, I gave up McDonald's a long time ago. But uh, No offense, McDonald's. I don't get it why politicians always have to interject themselves and then just open up their mouths and say something stupid. I think that was one of the reasons that she was giving that she was running because it's like, oh, the midterms are coming and, you know, if I don't run and win, then, you know, the country's going to be in peril. I'm sure it's a complete mindset that she's going to save the entire government. <laughs> I, I don't know how much more peril we can actually be in. I know. I know. I mean, Sniffy's kind of starting a whole Cold War all over again. Yeah, I mean, it's just crazy. And the Russians, meanwhile, they keep landing aircraft and airfields oh, yeah. and all that kind of stuff. But uh, 
Getting back to the whole uh, COVID Olympics, there's some really crazy stuff being reported. And uh, one of those stories that I read was one of the athletes from Russia, actually. So, I mean, it's it's not going along communist party lines or there's, you know, this kind of stuff happening. So the biggest thing is the isolation. They have these COVID hotels set up. So the athletes are claiming that there's no internet, there's horrible food, there's dirty rooms, and there's no training equipment in these so-called quarantine hotels that they set up by Chinese officials. Right. So I'm not sure what that means. Team officials from Germany, Belgium, and Russia said their athletes are facing nightmarish situations. Look, you've been spending, I don't know, how many years of your life staying in tip-top physical condition? Exactly. The least thing that you could have if you're in isolation, I mean, there's ways around it, right, is to have at least some kind of a fitness room, a bike, or and, and a, you're a there treadmill. At the Olympics, why are you not going to train? <laughs> yeah, but no, because you tested positive, and the tests are kind of all over the place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they test them like two or three times, and then all of a sudden you get to the Olympic Village, you got a COVID test, and the, the COVID police come and pick you up and take you to this hotel. <laughs> I mean, it's like a scene out of the the cartoon with the you know the minions. They all they pick you right. up and you know, they just they just march you off kind of thing. But uh, one of the athletes, she said, uh, first of all, there's besides the fitness equipment, they're struggling to communicate with their teams, which has been problematic. So if you have a gold medal contender. Sitting in a COVID hotel somewhere, you can't even talk to them because the internet's down or, or whatever. But one of the athletes, she said, my stomach hurts. I'm very pale. I have huge circles under my eyes. I want this all to end. And that was a Russian biathlon competitor by the name of Valerie. I'm going to screw this last name up, I'm sure. Vesnitsova. Vesnitsova? Anyway. But she managed to get it on Instagram. <laughs> and she missed her competition. And what she said she received for breakfast, lunch, and dinner was uh, pasta an orange sauce, meat or a meat-like substance, and potatoes for breakfast, lunch, and dinner for five days. Five days of that. Five days of Uncle Mao's frozen foods. (laughs) And these are top athletes. These are some of the best athletes in the world. Yeah, obviously, they're they're at the Olympics, you know? Right. I shouldn't say Russian team. I should say the Russian Olympic Committee. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, because they're banned from the Olympics... They just changed the name and still competed. Right. (laughs) But even so, I mean, I don't care where you're from. I mean, you should be treated well. I agree. I agree. And and you are. You're the host country. What kind of message does this send out to any other option of having this happen in your country again, like ever? A bad one? Uh, Yeah, think. (laughs) I mean, besides the fact you haven't got any snow and you've got... Um, yeah, I, I've been watching a little bit of it. I meant to call my daughter, who's a, kind of a, you know, she was a ski bum for a while and been around the whole snowmaking business. I, but I know there's chemicals that are mixed in with that water that uh, is being, you know, launched all over the side of these hills. Right. And if you look at some of the shots, I mean, everything is barren except just for those, you know, those ski runs and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And some of the world's top athletes, they're falling. They're, they're not competing well. I mean, we have several who are just not, yeah, they're just not doing well. Right. Nothing's been mentioned about the snow conditions or, or very little other than it's 100%, 100% man-made snow. Mm-hmm. I noticed during the half pipe last night, I stayed up long enough to watch Sean White qualify after a disastrous first run. It started snowing. It was actually, I think it was snow. Huh. Either that or it was a crazy graphic they put on there to make it look like <laughs> <Right>. snow. <laughs> Well, you had also mentioned about the background uh, scenery, (laughs) and I looked that up. I I don't even know what to say to that. (laughs) It's beautifully brown. It's beautifully brown. No snow. What are those lovely stacks behind the the ski slope? You mean that uh, nuclear power plant? I'm sorry. Oh, no, it's not that. Former steel mill? Right. (laughs) During the big air competition, they did an aerial shot of that thing, and it's just it's literally just this gigantic ski jump sitting in the middle of a city next to four nuclear reactors. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Steel mill. And who does not know that those aren't nuclear reactors? <laughs> <laughs> it, it looks like a scene from The Simpsons. It does. It totally does. You know, Homer goes outside his house and there's gigantic stacks behind his house sitting, sitting back there. But I think they felt better because they, they put the Beijing Olympic symbol on each one of them. Oh yeah. They, yeah. They spray painted them on there. I saw that. They did. Yeah. Nice, nice window dressing there. <laughs> Chairman Mao. Oh, wait a minute. He's dead. Never mind. Whoever's in charge now. But it was surreal because the first time I saw it, I, you know, I was watching the, uh, I think it was the big air competition or whatever it was. 
I'm like, wait a minute, what was that? Go back to that shot again. <laughs> right. It's kind of like Justin Timberlake at the Super Bowl, you know, years ago when he uncovered various <laughs> body parts of people during halftime entertainment. Same kind of reaction. I was just like, what, 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 what was that? Wait a minute. No. Right. <laughs> Nuclear reactors. But uh, no, the Chinese government corrected and said, this is a former steel mill. Sure it is. Mm-hmm. It's a steel mill. But uh, anyway, I mean, there's all kinds of weird stories going on. Two of them that I, I kind of recall is that uh, two of our, I guess, top athletes, one for sure, born in the United States, but competing for China. And they're, you know, they're both 18, 19 year old girls. One is a figure skater, which I watch like never. <laughs> you know, it's just, I mean, hey, people are into it. I don't, you know, I don't make fun of them. It's just like, it's not my thing. Yeah, I want to see biathlon. I want to see ski jumping and, right. and hockey. <laughs> oh, speaking of hockey. I went up to uh, Victor last weekend to the Victor Cup. And how'd that go? It was awesome. That's so cool. Yeah. The first person I saw was Kim. She was out there, you know, getting her, her skates. And I thought, you get you know, women were going to play. She's like, no, we found four girls and, you know, supplemented a couple of guys. So it's kind of a co-ed team, but it was cool. I had no idea that rink was that badass. It's like hanging out at a ski resort, you know, on the, on the deck when you get done making a run. Right. Real chill. People sitting back having, having beers and eating food. And, you know, people are like, hey, there's food, you know, go grab food. It was just, it was great. That's awesome. And uh, congratulations to Rusty's who uh, won the tournament. Oh, they did. They did. Yeah. My nephew played on that team. Congratulations. And it was actually the first time I've ever seen him play hockey. There you go. See, it was serendipitous. It was. And uh, I was looking at the the people that were playing. It's like, there are some really good athletes out there. Well, and Kim was saying she grew up on the ice. Yeah. So I'm sure a lot of uh, the local people, that's what they do. Yeah. It was just cool. It was just a, a, a cool day just to hang out and, and watch, you know, people just kind of compete. It was fun. No, that's, that's awesome. Good for them. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Getting back to what I was saying before. So there is a girl who was born in Southern California by the name of uh, Ju Yi, I think is, is her name, AKA Beverly Jew, who uh, was born in Southern California and she renounced her citizenship in 2018. I think she's born, I think her Chinese uh, parents are Chinese immigrants to the United States that, you know, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Why she competes for the Chinese government, I have no idea. But anyway, during her performance last Sunday, it was the, the kind of the team event of, uh, of ice skating, uh-huh. however that works. She took a big pancake splash on her backside twice in in her performance, which uh, put the Chinese team in last place. And to make things worse, she got torched by the Chinese social media. I mean, look, she's a 19 year old kid, right? Right. She renounces her citizenship for whatever reason, because she wants to compete in the Olympics, which I'm sure that, you know, she'll regret someday. She will. Or maybe not. She doesn't speak that much Chinese. So, I mean, they, they were just, pounding on her and it was brutal well come sunday they uh they barely made it into the finals so sunday she does the same thing she pancakes on the ice not once but twice during her performance and then after that she couldn't land any of the jumps so there's still individual events coming up so i guess we'll stay tuned for this one but uh i wonder if she's going to go to ice skating re-education camp now <laughs> right <laughs> Hey, poor kid. Yeah. Who wants to live in Southern California where you're free? You know, well, you're kind of under a communist regime, but. Uh, right. <laughs> but at least you can go to the beach. Exactly. You know, now that you kind of, you know, biffed it. Uh, boy, I kind of feel sorry for it in a way, but then in another way, I just kind of go, yeah, well, you're a traitor. So. Well, yeah. And tough lesson. Tough lesson. Another California born athlete turned Benedict Arnold is Eileen Jew, who won the gold medal on Tuesday in the inaugural women's free ski big air. And she turned on her country in 2019. And she says she can't wait to start college in Stanford in the fall. <laughs> uh, and Stanford will take her money. <laughs> oh, of course they will. But I think, uh, I think her mother's Chinese. Her father is you know, born in America. Yes. And she thanked the United States Olympic committee, you know, for doing so much, you know, good for her and getting her career started. And then she, you know, she thanked the Chinese government in the same way, you know, those kinds of things. And uh, after her gold medal, there was a press conference and they were asking her, you know, did you renounce your citizenship? And of course she was dodging it like a pro. Oh, she was. I read the article and it's like, wow, girl, you are totally tiptoeing around that subject. <laughs> now, rumors have it that she got a pretty good chunk of dough. 
to go oh. compete for the Chinese government. Now, I can't confirm that. Okay, I did not hear that. Yeah, I guess it you know, depends on which fish wrap you kind of read. Right. <laughs> but needless to say, I mean, she uh, that was a gold medal that the United States could have gotten. Sure. And uh, she's just like, eh, whatever. Yeah, that was... Leaving. And, and she commented also about all the, the negative um, social media that the other young girl was getting. And she was kind of like, I don't know what she's talking about. I'm getting 90% positive. And I'm going, okay. Yeah, it's because you've got a multi-million dollar modeling contract, number one. <laughs> right. Oh, in the U.S., by the way. Oh, my goodness. There's one big difference between the two. Ju uh, actually speaks fluent Mandarin Chinese. Mm-hmm. And Beverly doesn't. So they're just, they're just piling on her. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so one of the last weirdest stories that I saw was that five female ski jumpers from Austria, Japan, Norway, and Germany were disqualified from competition for wearing, you ready for this? Loose fitting suits. (laughs) What? So someone determined that their clothing was giving the athletes an advantage while they were in the air. Wait a minute. Now, if you have loose fitting suit, that gives you more of a surface. So, you know what they were saying? <laughs> it gives you a flying squirrel effect, which gives you more lift. Sure it does. Seriously. <laughs> Everybody was there in the, in the qualifier, though. Correct. And nobody said butt kiss about it. But uh, Katarina Altus from Germany, she said she's never been disqualified ever for wearing these, these kind of suits. And she's competed in, let me see, where's, where are the stats here? 160 World Cup starts, five World Championships, and three Olympic Games. And they like, now nah, you're disqualified because you got baggy pants. Yeah, sure. I Seriously? Right. I, I, I don't get it. I don't either. And and what's kind of even more frustrating about that, I think it wasn't until 2014 that women were even allowed to compete in this. It didn't become an Olympic event until then. Right. So one step forward, now two steps back, now that you've disqualified all these women. Well, one of the coaches I remember seeing said that, uh, you know, these suits have been a problem the entire season. Well, if, if that's the case, why didn't they not address this before the Olympics started? And why didn't they pull them during the qualifier? Absolutely. Makes no sense at all. No. But uh, it has definitely set uh, women's ski jumping back. Yes. But uh, yeah, it wasn't just like one country cheating. It was just, they weren't really cheating. It was just every, this is what they were wearing. Right. And like you said, it was in the qual- in the prequals and nobody said anything. Yeah. You got a bunch of different countries wearing the same kind of thing and right. they're all gone. Yeah. See ya. <laughs> Have a nice day. This is your Olympic experience. Welcome to China. Yeah. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's tell your grandkids about this one. You know, I don't know if it was Chinese specific other than, it was, you know, it was the International Ski Association or Federation, where they right. call themselves. You know, those, those paid guys, because everybody gets paid in the Olympics. Right. And that's how you get, get the Olympic Games, right? You pony up a bunch of jack to... Well, apparently some of the athletes do. <laughs> well, they're, they're getting quite a bit, that's for sure. But uh, anyway, uh, kind of the total medal count right now is uh, the Russians have 10 total medals. Norway has eight. Netherlands, Austria, and Italy. And now, since last night, the United States all have seven. Oh, nice. And it's uh, Sweden with six and China with five. So anyway, that's the way the Olympics goes. Yep. That's your that's your report. I guess we'll revisit this one all said and done in a couple of weeks. And find, oh, sure. Because I'm sure there's going to be more weirdness coming along. But uh, Worse there is. Did you, uh, were you still following the Canadian trucker story? I did. I kind of checked up on it to see where the situation is. Um it's not getting any better. As a matter of fact, they're growing stronger. Um, the police are totally outnumbered, stressed out, freaked out. <laughs> They've gotten the Canadian Mounted Police involved just to kind of keep everybody cool and chill. But basically, the different provinces are actually starting to consider what these guys are representing. So in uh, Saskatchewan, they're going to be the first country to announce a plan to lift all COVID-19 restrictions. You mean the first province? Province. Did I say, what I say province? I did. No, you said country. Oh. Did they break away? I don't think so. That would have been cool. Yeah, that's true. The country of Texas. Um, but anyway, <laughs> <laughs> so they're going to oh, no longer boy. require COVID-19 vaccine passports. And that starts Monday. And then um, they're also going to lift the indoor mask mandate by the end of the month. So that's a huge step. And um, Alberta is going to be following right behind them. It's kind of what's happening in the United States, too. If you notice all the uh, kind of the woke governors, they're starting to lift their their mandates. I know California is going to do it. Finally, they interviewed some of the truckers 
And they were talking about, again, you know, their kids were suffering. Their kids, they're still like on lockdown for a large part of it. And, you know, the kids are starting to lose their minds. The parents are starting to lose their minds. So and, and it seems like there's little branches of this whole protest going on. And one of the branches actually wants to talk and it's called the Canada Governor General. And that's a direct representative to Queen Elizabeth. Oh, that's who they're demanding to talk to. And they want Trudeau stripped of all his power. Really interesting. (laughs) Well, you got to find him first in order to strip power from him. Exactly. He's still in hiding. Yeah, I think he followed uh, Puxatani Phil down the groundhog hole somewhere. I I think so, too. (laughs) Yeah, he hasn't been seen (laughs) or heard. Nothing. I mean, it's like. (laughs) But so, you know, I think they're making a positive impact as far as, you know, we're going crazy. We're going crazy. So yeah, let's, let's get together. And it's an economic impact as well. Um, like up in Saskatchewan, he's like, it's, it's not worth the cost anymore. You right. know, if, if you can't let people into your restaurants and things without a, a passport, it's, it's not worth it. Just do like people in LA just buy fake passports. <laughs> right. Exactly. Nobody's going to check you at the door. They just kind of go, Oh yeah. Okay. You got one. Come on in. Exactly. Sit down. Take, <laughs> right. <laughs> take your mask off at your table. But don't forget to put it back on as you're walking to the bathroom. I know. I know. It's all so stupid. It is. It's just, it it boggles the mind. I can feel it. We're we're pretty much normal, so to speak, Mm -hmm. as normal as normal can be. Right. But even so, I I still go into stores and I go into grocery stores and places and people are still masked up. Yes, they are. So, hey, you know, more power to you. That's what I say. Hey, if that's your choice and if that gives you a sense of peace and, you know, feeling safe, more power to you. I have no issues with that. Yeah, Just I, don't force it on me. I think we've, I think we've always kind of said that. And, uh, that includes the people who bag on us that don't listen to the show. Right. Right. <laughs> I'm still trying to figure out how all that works out. But uh, <laughs> speaking of Canada and Canadians, good old Neil Young is back at it again. So get this. This is really good. So I think it was Monday. He's, he's, you know, he's on a protest against Spotify now. Now it's a quest. He finally has a, he has one last protest in his life, you know? So, (laughs) so Joni Mitchell, Crabby Stills, Nash and Young, they're all pulling their music off of Spotify. Okay. And he is now accusing the president of Spotify as the guy who is the real problem. And this, this is the one that really gets me. So he's urging employees that work at Spotify to get this. Quit that place before it eats up your soul. Really? <laughs> so you're going to blame Daniel Eck, the CEO of Spotify. And, and he's already wiped out. Of, this all deals with Joe Rogan's podcast. Right. So he's pulled a bunch of stuff off. And now, you know, I mean, I think there there's a concentrated campaign against Joe Rogan because, you know, he said the N word a few years ago. You know, Joe's come out and said, hey, look, I was wrong. I apologize. You know, right. He's just being Joe Rogan. That's, right. that's, that's what he is. But, uh, you know, that's not good enough. So now he is encouraging people to quit their jobs. Huh. Great. Yeah, exactly. Great advice. Let's add to the unemployment rate. <laughs> right. Nice going, Neil. <laughs> You've got billions of dollars living with Daryl Hannah in you know, where the hell you're living today. Oh. And uh, you're encouraging people to quit their jobs and be left on the street unemployed. Good job. Yeah. Awesome <laughs> advice. But uh, as it turns out, Spotify says that 44% of all podcasts is under their market share. 44% of Spotify. Wow. That's, of course, the network that we're on. And Apple, Amazon, Google are less than half of that size. So a market research company called Forrester pulled people on February 1st, and they found that most people and Spotify users have no intention of canceling their sus- Yeah, that thing. Subscriptions. <laughs> anyway, people ain't leaving Spotify. <laughs> no, they're not. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Keep on rocking the free world there, Neil. Right, right. Southern man don't need you around anyhow. (laughs) Well, when we come back, we'll be talking to our title sponsor, Josh Dorsey from Abode Real Estate. So don't go away. You know, moving can be stressful. I know. I've moved 13 times in 20 years and I've lived in four different states. When it finally came time to move back to Colorado, Woodland Park and Teller County were our target locations. But before I moved back home, I was looking for a real estate broker who understood and had experience with military families and knew the area well. I found Abode Real Estate and Joshua Dorsey. I called Josh right away and it only took 35 days to not only find our forever home, but to close and move into it. Josh understood exactly what we were looking for. 
Because he's a common sense person and knows a good deal from a bad one. He'll make every effort to make sure you get the home that you absolutely want and love. As your real estate advisor, Josh will focus on client satisfaction. His business is about service and he's not happy until you're happy. Whether it's finding you a home, finding the best loan, or helping you get the most out of selling your home, Josh is there to guide you. So if you're considering a real estate professional, give Josh a call today at 719-433-4773 or email him at joshua at csabode.com. That's J-O-S-H-U-A at csabode.com. I'm confident that you will be completely satisfied. the bear cave with dennis and michelle and on the line right now we have our title sponsor from abode real estate josh dorsey josh how are you doing good doing good thanks for having me back yeah well of course you're you can come on anytime but, uh, <laughs> well you, you say that now but who knows you know <laughs> <laughs> no i actually mean it this time <laughs> kidding but uh hey i i uh one quick little note i you know there were a couple of homes for sale on the bear cave street and uh one of them across the street from me sold in a day. Oh yeah. I was amazed. Not surprising. Not surprising. I mean, that's basically if it's on the market for a week, you know, then you start to wonder what's going on with it. So yeah. And for them, they got like in, in a bidding war. So they got, well, I guess it depends on the appraisal, but they got away with like, uh, got away. It sounds like they you know, committed murder <laughs> or something, but, but they, uh, real estate murder, but they, uh, yeah, they got, uh, like 20 grand more than the asking rate initially and uh i guess that's what happens when you get in a put on the gloves and get in a bidding war somebody really wanted that house oh yeah well it's not uncommon to see even like forty, fifty thousand dollars over asking um in some of these situations now um we had one the other day that went um it was listed at at 400 which you know that was the that was the right price according to the comparable sales and ended up selling for uh 445 so, wow. I mean, it just, it's, that's what happens when there's uh, I think in Teller County right now, there's like less than 20, I think it's like 14 or 15 homes between three and 800 grand. So if you kind of look at that normal price range, 14 homes, that's all there is to see. And they're moving quickly. I, that's uh, what surprised me. Cause you know, uh, last time we were talking about, you know, it's kind of the slow winter months, not so slow. No, no. Everything is basically selling in the first weekend listed on a Thursday or Friday. And if it's on the market three days, that's because they were collecting their offers, you know, over those three days and just keeping it on the market. So everyone gets a chance to see it and submit their bid basically. So. Hey, I had a question for you. I keep getting uh, a lot of comments and I keep getting stuff in the mail and email all the time about refinance your home, refi, refi. And to me, it kind of, you know, that kind of scares me a little bit. What's your, what's your opinion on, and what advice do you have for people who are considering refinancing their house? Well, um, if, you know, first of all, you need to consider whether it's the right thing to do or not, you know, financially and talk to your financial advisor about that. But then also, um, number one piece of advice is to shop it. You don't want to just just go with whoever happened to send you a piece of mail um, or the first person that comes to mind. You want to you want to check around with two, three, maybe even four lenders and have them all provide an estimate of what that that loan's going to cost. Because while one might have a great interest rate, they they may have really high closing costs or or vice versa. So you want to you want to find the one that works best for you and and someone that you're comfortable with. I re- recommend going with a, a local lender. That's what I always do. Um, it seems like when you have a person um, that you can actually work with and talk to that's local, it, it makes a huge difference. So, you know, you mentioned something that uh, I picked up on as well. And it's that it's kind of like a sophisticated shell game because you can refi no problem, but your closing costs are like $10,000. Yeah. Uh, and well, like, not always, not always. It depends on the lender. Yeah. The ones I've been seeing is like have these enormous closing costs. I'm thinking who in their right mind is going to go for this? Yeah. Well, it's, and then it's easy for them to to sell that kind of thing because you can look at it on, on paper. It's like, okay, well, I'm, I want to take a hundred thousand dollars of equity out of my house and use it for something else. And it's like, okay, well, you don't even realize till you get to closing that, you know, you borrowed a hundred, a hundred thousand out of your house, got a, 
extra hundred grand and and uh, now you owe one hundred and fifteen thousand dollars more than you did before. It's like, wait a second, where did all that money go? You know? Yeah. So uh, you know, it's something to be careful of, and it's always good to uh, shop your loan. Make sure you're very familiar with your loan terms before before you get too far down the road, because you you want you want to know what those costs are immediately and upfront, not halfway through the process or when you're getting close to closing and it's awkward or uncomfortable to stop the process at that point. Yeah. I've seen it a bunch too. And, and you know, in the springtime too, when people, they start getting motivated, they want to do some projects around their house. So it's like, ah, oh, we'll just refi. And then all of a sudden it's like, uh, maybe that wasn't such a great idea after all. Yeah. Well, and you know, HELOCs, uh, home equity line of credit is uh, very affordable compared to refinancing your home to get cash out. You know, you can get a home equity line of credit at a much lower cost most of the time. And, and it's a, it's a pretty easy process. Um, so that's something to consider as well. Yeah. I ain't doing it. <laughs> Just yeah, so. pay that thing down. You know, you don't want to, you don't want to end up being way, way up there, you know, in your nineties <laughs> with, with a $500,000 mortgage still, you know, at some point you got to pay it off. Yeah, hopefully I'll live to that ripe old age. Hey, I got a question. Uh, I haven't heard much from Zillow lately. Well, I, I know they took a gigantic hit. I think we talked about it a couple of months ago, but has there been any new news about Zillow and, and those types of companies? Not much. I think they're still kind of licking their wounds, I suppose, um, and, and trying to uh, do damage control. Zillow's been selling off their inventory at massive losses. Um, I think I told you about one example where I had a client who sold their house to them and uh, the house was worth 530, 540. Zillow paid him 590. And then they just recently sold it for 525. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's kind of, kind of a normal, normal story. They're, they're losing 60, 70, 80 grand on each home that they're selling. So, and at the same time, you know, people kind of see blood in the water and, and go after them and, and get aggressive on their offers, you know, offering them less because they're just trying to unload this inventory and they're already expecting to take a big loss on it. So, but yeah, they're they're kind of kind of quiet under the radar. The the thing which they were made famous for their Zestimate has never been less trusted. Um, people are looking at it like, well, shoot, you guys are. It didn't work out very well for you to to figure out what homes are worth. So in the meantime, they are uh, trying to go back to realtors and saying, hey, do you want to do some business with us? Do you want to buy leads from us? You know, so on and so forth. Kind of trying trying to get that lead generation business going again and. It's not it's not working very well for them. Other companies like Open Door or ones like that, they're scaled back their purchasing, so they're still buying homes from people outright, and basically you're selling your home to Wall Street almost. But they're they're buying homes from people, and you know they, where they were paying 105, 110 percent of market value before they're back to the old model of 90, 95 percent of market value is what you might expect on an offer. I'm I'm guessing the CEO of Zillow right now is looking for a tiny home to move into <laughs> someplace. <laughs> probably. probably. Like, Although I, I'm sure he made out okay somehow. Oh yeah. They always, those CEOs always do, you know, they, they yeah. walk away with their tail tucked between their legs and millions of dollars in the bank somewhere in an offshore yeah. bank, you know, in, in the, yep. in the yep. Cayman yep. islands. Pay yourself a big bonus before the thing goes under. Hey, man, what a great business model. Yep. <laughs> then everybody else can just uh, suck it. They don't care. But uh, hey, speaking <laughs> of tiny homes, uh, what is happening? Because I, I know that is a Green Mountain Falls. There's a there's a big to do about tiny homes coming in or a community being built. Uh, what do you know about that? Well, there's a there's a 29 almost 30 acre lot right off of Highway 24 there that was purchased by uh, a developer who does tiny homes, and uh, they had had a plan there to put in just a basically a tiny home village with I think hundreds of them. I don't know on that 29 acres, but um, have been met with some severe resistance from the locals there. They don't want to, they don't want tiny homes across the street from their million dollar house, you know? Yeah, I get it. And uh, so that's that's been going on. Lots of residents is upset. I haven't heard a single person say, hey, that's a great idea. Let's have that happen. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. every, everyone's opposed, it seems like. Um, and then more recently, middle of last month, the, uh, the developer sent a, a letter to the community and said, hey, pick your leader. I want to communicate with just one person. And uh, if you don't want me to pursue developing this, you can buy it from me for two and a half million dollars. Well, he paid, I think, a million dollars for the piece of property a few months ago. Wow. <laughs> and so, so some people are saying, fine, let's just do it. You know, we'll purchase it collectively. Some people are saying, well, why should he make that much money with basically holding us hostage? He should have to get the zoning changed or, or whatever else in order to be able to, uh, 
turn around and make a profit like that. So, you know, different opinions on how to handle that, but it is a, it is an interesting approach on his part to give me a million and a half dollars profit. I won't do anything. It's like, well, you don't know if you can do anything anyway. Yeah. 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 I just happened to have a couple of million laying around. So I think I'll just buy this property. And uh, it seemed like there wasn't a lot of forethought into the development because I read somewhere too, that, you know, we're just going to empty out uh, wastewater and stuff like that into the Creek. It'll be fine. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I heard something like that too, about the gray water going into the Creek and it's like, well, gray water is fine. You know, it's, supposedly your shower water or your you right. know sink water or whatever but uh, so it's not supposed to be super dirty but people put all kinds of things down their sinks and if you have something like that put in place that would just be tragic for that creek i mean there's there's a it's a beautiful creek and there's brook trout and everything else in there I was going to say, if you're downstream somewhere and you start catching three-eyed fish, you know what's going on, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Someone's <laughs> flushing their medications. Yeah, not a good idea. Another bad episode of The Simpsons. Here we are. We're living yep. it. Not to mention that some people, yeah, they may bathe like once a month. I don't I don't know. but uh, <laughs> It might be black water, not gray. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> so what's happening down in Colorado Springs? How are things going there? What's the market looking like in that neck of the woods? Oh, it's it's as crazy as ever. I mean, over the last seven days, we've had 120 new listings or so, wow. and uh, something like 250 marked sold, 300 and something, you know, 320 or so off market, like pending or or under contract. So you've still got your low inventories just getting lower. It seems like the people that uh, have their house and have their great interest rate don't want to don't want to uproot. And you still have a lot of people coming in wanting to buy houses from all over the country. So it's as chaotic as ever. And that's why we're seeing these thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollar over asking offers. Yeah, because I read somewhere too that people coming into the state, especially in Colorado Springs, that has not slowed down at all. No, if anything, it's sped up. I think um, there's there's people wanting to move from one place, you know, whether it's California or Texas or whatever, they're wanting to get here and get their house secured before interest rates go up. And so it's it's only become more frantic. And, you know, I was talking to someone who's in Dallas who is considering moving up here and they were saying, well, you know, a $500,000 home in Dallas, I could buy, you know, is, is equivalent to say 750 in Colorado Springs just because the taxes are so different. The property taxes are so low here that he can afford 500K in Dallas, but he can afford, you know, 700 or so here just saving that money. It sounds like kind of shades of uh, about 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah. yeah. People were, were just buying these million dollar homes. And I mean, that, that was crazy. I hope we don't go back to that again. Yeah. You know, it's, it's better now, I think in a way, because we're mostly fixed rate mortgages. And that was really what accelerated that issue back then was all those mortgages that were adjustable rate. And everyone's assuming that the house is just going to keep going up in value. So it doesn't matter. Just refi later. And what happened was their their house went down in value for a period of time and they couldn't refinance it. And they were stuck with a, a mortgage that was ballooning in five years or something like that. So I think we're in a little bit better shape that way. And uh, specifically in Colorado Springs, it doesn't doesn't seem like there's going to be any slowing down of of um, people moving here, and we'll be limited on new builds for just because of infrastructure for for some time. So um, they'll be able to build new houses to meet some of that demand, but just not fast enough. That's progress for you. Yeah, <laughs> it's fascinating how long, really, how long this has lasted, even with COVID and everything. The the housing market has just been out of control. And yeah, I've seen it too. It's like, you know, a house down the street from us will be gone that same day. Yeah. It, it's crazy. And I'm wondering, you know, these people coming from everywhere, are they working here? Where are, you know, are they retiring here? Do you have any kind of stats on that? Well, I don't have any stats off the top of my head, but I do have um, just some personal experiences that most of these people are finding jobs here or having a, an easier time finding a job here than wherever they're coming from. And uh, that's just part of that economic momentum, you know, you get so many people moving here, then you have developers who are like, hey, this this town's booming, let's build some stuff. Now these things that they're building, whatever they are, whatever types of uh, development, they need employees. And, you know, so it's it's just kind of fire feeding fire kind of thing. It, it, it keeps moving. And so the people that I'm working with are generally coming out for professional jobs that, you know, are easier to get or higher paying than wherever they were coming from. That's very interesting. 
Well, you know, like they say, time will tell and, and uh, we'll see what happens. But uh, anyway, Josh, thanks for coming in. And uh, as always, uh, we appreciate you sponsoring the show and uh, we'll talk to you in a few weeks. Okay. Sounds good. Talk to you soon. Thanks, Josh. All right. That was Josh Dorsey from Abode Real Estate, our title sponsor. And uh, man, interesting things happening in the housing market. It's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh, it's scary. I, it was I'll tell you, because we moved during the whole COVID thing and it took a fair amount of courage to do that. Oh, sure. And, uh, uh, you know, I admire myself. <laughs> OK, actually, I don't. But uh, had we waited two or three more years or even a few more months, I mean, there is no way we could have pulled that move off. No, no. And and, and actually, I'm seeing it like across the country because they're, you know, we're considering moving when we retire and everything. Right. And same thing. I mean, houses go on the market and then they're, they're pending that same day. I've looked at Tennessee, Alabama, Florida, you know, all the southern areas. And it's the same everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I have a lot of friends who have moved to Tennessee and it's like, I don't know why I'm... It's pretty. <laughs> well, it's, it's pretty, but it's like sticky. It is, I, I, I can't do humidity, but uh, anyway, I digress as usual. All right, when we come back, it's our Phil producer and journalist Azure Trevor Phipps followed by News of the Weird, The Bear Pile, and more cool stuff, so don't go away. By making gradual changes in your life, you can achieve your goals. Perhaps it's a change in your diet, losing a few pounds, or reducing stress in your life, you can always improve your health. Animus Wellbeing practitioners in Woodland Park believe that beauty radiates from within because being healthy is beautiful. No matter what your age, they can help you improve and enjoy a better quality of life. If you want to explore ideas on how to achieve a more mindful and healthier way of life, you've come to the right place. They currently offer nutritional consultations, personal cooking classes, catering, and even guided meditation sessions for both group and individuals. Let them help you achieve a life of optimal well-being. Check them out at Animus Wellbeing. That's A-N-I- M-A-S-W-E-L-L-B-E-I-N-G dot com. Welcome back to the Bear Cave on Spotify, anchored by Spotify and Podbean. And right now, our field producer and journalist du jour, Trevor Phipps, is on the line. Trevor, what's happening? Oh, not a whole lot. Just been staying busy with election stuff lately. I was going to say, uh, business is probably picking up a little bit, right? Yeah, there's kind of been a lot going on. I'm spending a lot of time just interviewing the different candidates for the different positions that are up for grabs in 2022. And Yeah, we were supposed to have David Ott coming in today, but uh, he had a scheduling conflict, so he's going to be in on the 23rd of, uh, of February. So, God, nobody wants to talk to us anyway. <laughs> <laughs> They're scared. But, uh, well, well, tell me about some of the candidates you talked to. Uh, let's, let's talk about uh, county commission for just a second. I think you interviewed Bob Campbell, right? What's, uh, kind of what's yeah. his, his thing? What's he all about? Um, he just, he just kind of wants to keep on doing the stuff that he's doing. Um, he, he likes being a public servant and serving the public. And at this point he's got quite a bit of experience. So I think he just wants to continue using his experience to, continue doing good things for the county. Um, one of the things he said they're working on currently is pay, trying to get especially police officers and other workers pay up to a higher level so they can recruit and attract more people for positions all across the county. Now that seems kind of like a party line because uh, Tommy Allen was talking about that same issue. I'm just going to wonder who's going to take credit for all that. Uh, I just think it's a, you know, it's kind of a natural progression for police officers, I think, but uh, it's interesting that that came up from him as well. Well, well, you got to remember, I mean, I it was a month or two ago where I did a whole article with the sheriff kind of explaining why the deputies needed more money. And so he's he's been the sheriff. Jason Mike has been very vocal about his needs with his department. Yeah, so, kind of puts the heat on the uh, commissioners to make, to make that happen. Right. Yeah, that's that's kind of what he purposely did. Now, yesterday I read uh, somewhere and I don't know who Dennis Luttrell is, and it seems like not many people know who he is. And, and uh, I think that he's a Democrat running for Teller County Commission. And uh, it just kind of came out of the blue, I guess, uh, that he made an announcement last week. And I, I don't really know that much about him other than his bio says that he was uh, became the state wildlife commissioner for Governor Ray Romer. 
for about four years. He's worked on Natural Areas Council, the Natural Areas Council, which I don't know what that is. But uh, yeah, I, well, I, apparently, supposedly, we have a Democrat running against uh, two Republicans at this point. Yeah. And it also said that he'd been a county commissioner in the past. Yeah. I was going to say, you've lived here all your life. I mean, Michelle never heard of him. So, huh. The big question mark in my head is, who is this guy? Yeah, I don't know. Supposedly he's he's a Democrat that wants to throw his name in the hat. I guess that's a good thing because yeah. Q, Tommy Allen and Bob Campbell will be decided in the re- Republican primaries. And a lot of times there's usually not even any Democrats that run. Um, so it'll be interesting. It'll actually give something to pay attention to all the way up until November. So instead of it being decided to whoever wins the Republican primaries in June, that person who wins, either Tommy Allen or Bob Campbell, will then face Dennis Luttrell in the actual election in November. Now you went to uh, you went to the open house last week uh, at uh, One Ten Reserve, and uh, it seems like that was a pretty good event for for Tommy, right? Yeah, he had a really good turnout. I think I was told like fifty or sixty people. Wow, came to it. That's a that's a lot of people at One Ten Reserve because it's not that big of a place. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty packed. Has uh, is Bob Campbell planning any kind of uh, events like that that you know of that people can go to? Not that I know of. He's kind of, even during the last election, he kind of depends on his notoriety within the community and the fact that everybody already knows him and kind of knows his story. And yeah. just, he didn't really do a lot of that last time. And I I don't foresee him doing a lot of that this time. Um, there will probably be some sort of forum or debate type thing. They usually, the chamber will usually put one on for county commissioner candidate. So I just don't think he feels the need to do a meet and greet because so many people know who he is already. Yeah, that makes sense. But, uh, you know, I think it, it helps for newer people coming in the area like myself. I mean, I've only been here just short of a couple of years. I don't really know a lot of these people. I think it's always helpful. But uh, I do hope that they have some debates, and I especially hope they have some debates for a uh, city council. I found a flyer at telecoming Republican meeting last night. The first forum that I know of that's scheduled for Woodland Park City Council is on March 2nd. The Woodland Park High School Auditorium, doors open at 5.30, it starts at 6. And it's got all seven city council candidates and the two mayor candidates on the flyer for it. So, March 2nd. Okay, we should probably post that onto our uh, Bear K Facebook social media pages and, and stuff like that, too. And uh, now you said that's city council only, or is that also, that's just city council, just right? city council, Okay. And then anything scheduled between the mayors? Because I think this is starting to shape it to be a, a fairly interesting race between Robert Zuluaga and Hillary Labar. Well, what they did last time is they did a candidate forum and it was done at the high school and they actually included the kids, the student council. Um, they let them come up with some of the questions to ask and then they let other people come up with questions to ask. But it was kind of like a Everybody got, they didn't pose the mayors against each other or the city council against each other. It's more or less everybody got a chance to answer the questions that were being given and a certain amount of time to do that. So it's kind of like a kind of a, a hometown vibe kind of uh, type of meeting, I guess, right? Yeah. And they kind of get the kids involved. I think they have them help with timing and, and coming up with, they let the kids ask questions. And I think it's, I think it's a good thing to try to get the younger citizens involved. No, I think that's cool. Even if they're not of voting age, they have opinions and, and, uh, and some of them are very strong. So I, I think they should have a voice for sure. Well, and then, I mean, for example, the, there are decisions that gets made at city level that affects them. And one good example of that is the recent sales tax raise that went through that was actually voted in by the people, but it was a sales tax raise to help benefit the schools. So there are stuff that actually directly affects the students of the area that kind of gets decided at the city level. Now there's a school board meeting coming up, right? Oh boy, I bet you get to go to that one too, huh? Yeah, I'm kind of obligated. <laughs> There's a little pause in there. That's <laughs> because Trevor was putting in his mouthpiece and his helmet and, <laughs> and everything else. But, uh, you know, well, I'm I, planning on watching it on Zoom. But then last night at the Teller County Republican meeting, David Rester holds school board president comes up and he's like, we're going to have a seat right in front for you, Trevor. And kind of guilt tripped me into having to go in person. So. They should after they banned you from the last one. It's like, oh, no, you didn't show up in time. You know, it's like, but I have a ticket right here with my name on it. Yeah. <laughs> like, nope, nope. Just, <laughs> just, just take the journalist out of here. We don't, we don't want that guy in well, here. That's kind of why I have to go now because I kind of, 
<laughs> made a stir about that, about not being able to go. Yeah, be careful what you wish for there, pal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you know, if anybody can can handle it, you, you can. I'm, I'll be waiting for your texts. <laughs> yeah. Is that a Zoom meeting? It is It is being live streamed on YouTube. Okay. So to me, I don't think there will be any interaction allowed for people that are tuning in online, but you can watch. Yeah. Are you packing a lunch in case it goes like six and a half hours? Yeah, I think I am going to tr- probably bring some snacks and some water. Up <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. But you know what? From from what I've read lately, it's, it seems like things are starting to settle down a little bit. Um, no. Okay. All right. I'm wrong about that <laughs> so one. This one's going to be, so then let me explain why. So there's been, so the last real board meeting was about a month ago, but since then there's been several work sessions and there's one work session that turned into a special board meeting. And there's kind of been a lot of things, including superintendent was on Fox and Friends. There's been a lot of changes that have been made in that month where the public really hasn't had a chance to comment on it. So I'm kind of expecting sparks to fly tonight because there's going to be comments directed at the decisions that have been made since the public's been able to comment. There was one thing that was controversial. I guess they had a work session and then they they decided to call a special meeting so they could vote and make decisions. And one of them was, it wasn't approving Merit Academy, but it was signing some sort of thing that furthered the process ahead. And there were some rumors going around. People thought that they weren't allowed to call that special meeting. But I actually, I looked into it and they did post the agenda and call the special meeting within that 24-hour window that they're supposed to like right at that 24-hour window. Oh, yeah. The old 24-hour <laughs> window rule. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think they had till 3 o'clock and they put it out at like 2.59. <laughs> <laughs> from what it sounds like to me. So. Remember that lobbying talk we we had a few weeks ago? I mean, this is like lobbying to the nth degree, but, oh man, whatever. Well, I mean, we'll we'll stay tuned and, and uh, I'm sure you'll be able to report to us on those sparks that are flying. Hopefully it doesn't cause a forest fire, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Jeez, you never know. But uh, anyway, kind of moving on. What's uh, what's happening in local sports? They're getting better to be wrapped up here soon. Um, the basketball team is actually hanging in there pretty good. Their division is really tight right now. They were five and three in their league last I saw, so that put them in third. And then, like a game or two before that, they were in sixth. So they they won a couple games. They were able to move up. According to the coach, he said that they're shooting for the number four spot because I guess everybody will play in a district tournament. But the top four in the league will get a bye the first week in the district tournament. So they're shooting for that top four spot so they can have a bye. And then how they do in districts will qualify them for the regional slash state tournament. I think they're the same. And then you'll go through regionals and whoever does good in regionals will go to state. That'll be determined that way. So um, the coach said the team's getting a lot better, but towards the end of the season, all the teams are kind of getting a lot better. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see. They won a big one Monday against Banning Lewis, like 51-47. So it was a close game. Well, I mean, you know, it's uh, it kind of goes back to the uh, philosophy one game at a time kind of thing at this point. And, uh, you know, hopefully they, they can make a positive note towards the end of the season. Oh, by the way, if nobody knew, Trevor's got a birthday coming up. When? Is it uh, Monday? Valentine's Day? Yeah, it's Monday. Valentine's Day. Wow. That's awesome. Happy birthday. Yeah, happy early birthday to you, Trevor. Yeah, thanks. We're going to Antlers to watch Super Bowl day before. Who's your your pick? Um, I actually, I picked the Rams to win, but I'd like to see the Bengals win. I just, I kind of, I picked opposite of what I thought because I went 0 for 6 in my picks the last few weeks. <laughs> so I'm kind of trying to win one here. Remind me not to take you to Cripple Creek to go gambling. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, if you're using my picks to bet on, then you're worse at sports betting than I am at <laughs> picking football. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. I, uh, I'm not highly successful in that game whatsoever. But uh, anyway, happy birthday, Trevor. And uh, we'll uh, we'll talk to you again in a couple of weeks. All right. You guys have a good day. All right. That was Trevor Phipps, our journalist du jour. And uh, hey, just a reminder again, the uh, the Bear Cave is going to be dark next week because of vacations for Michelle. And it's uh, my 25th wedding anniversary. Happy anniversary. On Valentine's Day. Wow. Happy anniversary early to you, my dear. And uh, I don't deserve her. She's too good for me. <laughs> she's she's pretty special. Yeah. I don't know why she put up with uh, me for 
25 years, but uh, I'm grateful for it. So I love you. And uh, we're going to do something fun, probably before Valentine's Day, because Valentine's Day is always one of those days where you just get angry because you're waiting for seats at a restaurant <laughs> or something like that. So. Right, that's true. <laughs> Happy anniversary, sweetie. I kind of did it again. Yeah. Forgot about Super Bowl. Yeah, you did. And Valentine's Day. Yeah. And it's very unusual that there's this close together. Yeah, that's a big weekend. It is a big weekend. <laughs> but I, I know you probably got some historical research done. Of course I do. <laughs> Put me in back in my place again. What do you got, Michelle? So um, I was thinking, you know, I've, I've been actually reading newspapers, the old Colorado Gazettes from the early 1900s, and I'm in 1913 right now in the newspapers. And there's some really cool articles from back then. And I thought, you know, just kind of going through and I came across one. I thought, hey, this is really appropriate for Super Bowl. I mean, what's what do you do for a Super Bowl? You eat lots of bad food and you throw back some beers, right? Yeah. Yeah. Usually. Usually. So my story this week is how Bach beer got its name. Bach beer. Bach. So Bach beer was first brewed in Bavaria on May 8, 1838. Strictly speaking, Bach beer should not be set forth on sale before May 8 of each year. This rule is generally observed in Germany, but in America, the appearance of Bach beer is a movable festival. The earlier the spring, the earlier the advent of the Bach beer signs and the drink they advertise. While Bach beer is, while Bach beer is properly speaking, a spring beer, nevertheless, the name is used, especially in Paris, to designate a beer that is drunk from year's end to year's end. In America, it may be had almost everywhere until the end of summer. When properly made, there should be twice as much malt and hops in Bach as it is an ordinary kind. Also, there's an additional fermentation process. A great many persons still are ignorant of this fact and wonder why it seems stronger than their favorite beer of the ordinary brew and why they feel its potency is so quickly felt. (laughs) (laughs) This is starting to explain Groundhog Day. Yeah, a little bit, huh? (laughs) It is the strength of the Bach that gives it its name. According to the old German story, when this beer was first produced, it caused so many persons to lock horns after drinking it. Oh boy. That some gave it the name it bears. Bach is German for billy goat. I speak German, but I've never heard that before. Well, this is 1913. (laughs) Long before my time. So there's your history on how Bach beer got its name. Who knew? Never. Wow. So there you go. (laughs) Enjoy your bad food and beer on Sunday. Uh, yeah, I almost forgot about that whole thing. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that got a lot of pressure of Valentine's Day the next day. I know. What, what do you know about Valentine's Day? Any? I do. So. Wow, you're so good. <laughs> and so prepared. I try. <laughs> so the Catholic Church actually recognizes at least three different saints by the name of Valentine. So all of whom were martyred. Oh. Uh, one legend contends that Valentine was a priest who served during the third century in Rome. When Emperor Claudius II decided that single men made better soldiers than those wives with wives and families, outlawed marriage for young men. Oh, those Catholics. I know. So Valentine, realizing the injustice of the decree, was secretly marrying lovers. Oh. So when Valentine was discovered by Claudius, he ordered that he be put to death. Oh, yeah, that's a that's thumbs down on that one. Yeah. So um, still others uh, insisted that it was St. Valentine of Tyranny, a bishop who was uh, the true namesake of the holiday. He, too, was beheaded by Claudius outside Rome. (laughs) So in my thought is, whoa, the story of a beheading makes all the warm fuzzies, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm seeing cherubs (laughs) with uh, little hearts and bows right now without their heads flying around, just piercing your heart. On Valentine's Day. Oh my God, man. This is this is more like a, a, a horror story for Halloween. I know. I know. <laughs> I thought that was great. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. <laughs> so, sorry it wasn't the warm, fuzzy uh, Valentine's story that you wanted, but... <laughs> Jeez, yeah, beheading and no chocolates and flowers. Right. <laughs> Good Lord. Oh, so be happy that we're not, we're not leaving in that world and... Buy your sweetie chocolates and flowers and dinner and wine. Yeah, otherwise you're going to get your head cut off. <laughs> Moral of that story. <laughs> wow, I, I, I'm, I'm going to have nightmares now. I know, right? It's like, oh, we were married on Valentine's Day. 
did you know? <laughs> yeah, they didn't tell me that when I was up in Silverton, standing in front of the judge. <laughs> right. Oh, uh, by the way, uh, there's a good chance you might get your head cut off because you got married on Valentine's Day. Ah, <laughs> uh, great. Lucky me. Oh, <laughs> I don't even know where to go after that. But uh, anyway, another segue, things you didn't know about Colorado. My God, maybe I can wake up from this nightmare. Uh, so yeah, okay, things you didn't know about Colorado. There's the story of the famous horse they called Elijah. You ever heard about this one? I have not. Well, let me tell you. The uh, subtitle is, He Wintered Alone Above Timberline. Bugs was the name of a saddle horse who took tourists on rides in the summer and fall up to the mountain above the town of Buena Vista. I actually said that right, I think. You did. So take that. <laughs> According to historian Perry Eberhardt, Perry Eberhardt's on a lot of these stories. You notice that? I did not make that connection, but no. Huh. Yeah, yeah. He was in the last one too. Another historian. There you go. It's got to be the same Perry Eberhardt, but anyway. He had an aversion to automobiles and women, especially women in slacks. A sexist horse? <laughs> Uh, I don't know. Whatever. Whatever the reason, Bugs wandered away in the late fall of 1956 and was feared lost for good. The snows came and engulfed the peaks west of Buena Vista, Mount Princeton, and Mount Yale. Big mountains. In late December, an airplane spotted the struggling horse above the timberline in the saddle between those peaks. He instantly became a cause for celebrity. I'm not sure what that word means, but that's what it says. I probably probably didn't pronounce it correctly, but uh, anyway. With newspapers all over the nation showing pictures of the stranded animal. The train in that rugged area made it physically impossible and almost practically impossible to reach him, so pilots decided to drop hay to him on a regular basis. The planes had to do some tricky maneuvers at the extremely high altitude noted for a sudden downdraft up to the top of the Continental Divide. The press named him Elijah based on the biblical prophet who was kept alive by God sending ravens into the wilderness to save him from starvation. All winter long, reports were filed on the condition of the horse. Passenger airplane flights between Denver and Gunnison flew over the saddle, a bit of out of their regular route, just to point out the lonely animal. Uh, Aww. Poor guy. It has been said that Elijah's fate was noted in newspapers and radio broadcasts in London and Paris. Wow. Finally, the spring melt-off enabled a party of mountaineers to bring him down. Man, he made it through the winter. He was taken on a tour of Denver and other Colorado cities and towns so that everyone could celebrate his survival. They came, many of them women in automobiles, to view the acclaimed survivor. Uh, he had had his season of escape from all of this and then was put back into service as a preferred mount on summer climbs of the mountains he loved and knew so well. And how did they know that the horse loved the uh, mountains? Well, and how did they know that he would even want to go back to work? <laughs> yeah, that's kind of rude. <laughs> that's what I think. You fed this poor guy, I've been, you know, Elijah or Bugs, wherever his, his name <laughs> right. is, up in the mountains this whole time. And, uh, yeah, let's saddle him back up again. Yeah, that ain't right. Yeah, dude should have been put out to pasture and just... I agree. Eating hay and doing his thing, but, uh, yeah, weird stuff, but... <laughs> Anyway, that brings us to our next little segment, which is News of the Weird. This is definitely one that, uh, you're going to like this one. So the headline reads, A Dog's Life. Gunther VI, a German shepherd, is selling his Biscayne Bay, Florida, Tuscan-style villa that once belonged to Madonna. <laughs> yeah, you heard that right. Gunther inherited the mansion from Gunther IV, his handlers told the Associated Press, along with a vast fortune. Wow, that's so weird. I mean, people always leave money to dogs or uh, some. I, I don't yeah. know. <laughs> it all began when Gunther III came into a multi-million dollar trust from his owner, German Countess Carlotta Liebenstein. Carlotta? She must have not had any friends. <laughs> Leave my money to my dog. <laughs> that could be. Since then, the Gunthers and their handlers have lived a lavish lifestyle, jetting around the world and eating out at restaurants. With the home listed for nearly $32 million, Gunther VI hopes to take advantage of a hot real estate market. But he will surely miss his red round velvet bed overlooking the bay. Oh boy. I want to know how to get in with these dogs, you know? It's like, can I can I be the dog handler? Because I'll take him out to dinner. <laughs> I'll feed you. A dog's going to sell a home for $32 million. Right. Okay. What have I done wrong in my life? Right. I got birds, had a cat, <laughs> no dogs. I don't know. Just shoot me. <laughs> well, with all that being said, 
Moving on to happier things, it's time for the bear pile. And as you know by now, each week we nominate the top subject events and or people that should be tossed on the bear pile and eaten by the bears. The person, place, and or thing thrown on the bear pile to be eaten by the bears this week is... The friends of Peter Doyle are taking their dead friend to the post office and trying to steal his pension. <laughs> what a bunch of good guys. Right? <laughs> you know, this is shades of uh, the movie Waking Ned Divine. I don't know if you ever saw that or not. No, I have not. You should check it out. But uh, anyway. Weekend at Bernie's. Yeah. No, <laughs> it's a combination of it. Right. <laughs> Take our dead friend to the post office. Steal his money. And steal his money, right. <laughs> Jeez, whatever. All right, this week's nominations are, number one, the Chinese Olympics for isolating athletes and feeding them frozen Uncle Mao cuisine for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Oh. That's horrible. Hey, what's wrong with orange sauce and uh, macaroni? Orange sauce. They, they can't even identify. It's an orange sauce. <laughs> yeah, I guess you got a point. <laughs> number two, Skeletor Nancy Pelosi, the witch from California. <laughs> They are warning the Olympic athletes not to insult the Chinese government as she's insulting the Chinese government. Yeah, way to go, Nancy. Good going. Yeah, yeah you should run for re-election. <laughs> yeah, she is. Oh, wait a minute. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, she is. And number three, repeat offender and now troll Neil Young for trolling Spotify employees. Just trying to help out the unemployment stats there, I guess. Right, Neil? I think, I think so. Well, that's it for us this week. We hope that you had a good time listening to us and spending some time around the kitchen table or wherever you were. We would like to thank our sponsors, Abode Real Estate and Animus Wellbeing. Thanks to our title sponsor, Josh Dorsey, for coming into the Bear Cave this week. And of course, thanks to our field producer and journalist du jour, Trevor Phipps. As always, if you have an event coming up or you want to become a sponsor of the show, just hit us up on our Facebook page, This Week in the Bear Cave, or our Instagram page by the same name. Remember, you can access the show and listen to us on Spotify, Podbean, and Anchor by Spotify. Your hate mail can go to thisweekinthebearcave at gmail.com. Our guest next week is going to be Olympic flopper Zhu Yi. We're interested in talking to her about the ice skating re-education camps. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> of course, uh, L'Oreal Prime Minister Justin Trudeau was supposed to come in, but no one can find him anywhere in Canada. So until next week, be well and thanks for listening. Sweet dreams, Sam and Max. This Week in the Barricade is produced by Animus Productions, all rights reserved in perpetuity. <laughs>